Andy Johnson. This is another podcast focusing on literacy issues for teachers and for parents. The other day, a student in my class said, Dr. Johnson, what do you do when you got a student that just refuses to write? Well, a couple of things. The what do you do when type of question, know that there's no such thing as a single answer in education. There's not a single strategy you plug in in all situations. Why? Because life is not a multiple choice exam. Teacher life certainly is not a multiple choice exam. Students are not standardized entities. Classrooms are not standardized entities. You can never say when this happens you must do that because of the variation, the wonderful variation of human beings. All right, off on a tangent. You got the student who doesn't want to write. You see the physical reaction when you ask that student to write. Why? Understanding is the essence of being a good teacher. So first you have to understand why that is or might be. Understanding, not trying to manipulate or get the right strategy to plug in. That's not what teaching is. It starts with understanding. Now, the first thing to understand is communicating, expressing your ideas. It's a natural human inclination. Human beings naturally want to share their thoughts and ideas. They naturally want to express these ideas in some form. They naturally want to share them with other human beings, whether it be in verbal form or in writing form, this natural inclination. So what gets in the way? What stymies this natural inclination with students? Usually you can see it starting about in third grade with some struggling writers. They refuse to write. Usually it's because they have been overwhelmed, they've been frustrated, they have been embarrassed by writing tasks. So the task of writing, when you say write this or write that, seems overwhelming. As, as well, students are often embarrassed about their poor handwriting and their spor- poor writing, spelling skills, I'm sorry. And that student doesn't want to call attention to what he or she cannot do. Would you want to do that? So what do you do? What do you do? Do you look for the right research-based program to buy, like a Kansas Strategies program? Do you look for the right high-leverage practice that research has proven to work all the time? Is that what you do? No. (laughs) Here are some ideas that you can use. First of all, there is no one-size-fits-all strategy. There's no the answer. There's no one program that works for all students in all situations. So here are just some ideas. Of course, the first, uh, the second idea to understand, the first one is there's no one-size-fits-all program. The second one is you have to be a human being. I guess that's a one-size-fits-all teaching strategy. You have to understand the human being in front of you. That gosh darn human is not some mouse to be manipulated in a Skinner box. There are reasons why he or she does not want to write. So understand. The third idea is trust is earned, not given. Trust is the basic essence of teaching. Trust and relationship. Without that, you're just a dancing monkey in front of your students. But 
that student has to trust you. Trust you that you won't frustrate, overwhelm, embarrass, or humiliate that student. Trust you that you are truly interested in what that student has to say. Now, trust is not given. Trust is earned. And trust is not earned in a single day. It happens over time. The fourth idea is some students, some struggling writers, prefer a keyboard or computer over pencil writing. A couple reasons why this might be so. As you can see, some students struggle with the act of writing. Their handwriting is very poor. It's kind of embarrassing for them. And their spelling is atrocious. They don't want to call attention to that. They have equated successful writing with successful spelling. They're poor spellers. Using a keyboard, using a computer can mask these two things. So you'll often see a struggling writer just saying, you want to write this with pencil or would you prefer a computer? Many will uh, prefer a computer or a keyboard. The uh, fifth idea is you start, you simply ask the student, what do you want to tell me today? What did you do yesterday? What's something that happened? You are asking questions like an interview. Well, let's write about that. Let's get that down. Let's put that sentence down in your journal. And the sixth idea is called one sentence. Since writing is overwhelming for them, you'll say, let's get one sentence down today. That's our goal, one sentence. That is a finite goal. It's attainable. Eventually, you can get to two sentences or maybe set a goal. Today, our goal is to write four sentences, but that uh, occurs over time. So the goal is to start with one sentence. Uh, the seventh idea is short-term memory is limited. You need to use scaffolding of some sort to support short-term memory as the student is writing. That can mean repeating sentences and sounds. As the students are writing, you are repeating the sentence, yesterday I went to my friend's house, yesterday I, yesterday I went, as the student is writing. So the student does not have to hold that in his or her head. As well, hearing sounds, went, what, what, eh, n hearing sounds and repeating them. So you are providing a scaffold as the student is writing. The eighth idea I called spelling sometimes. Usually I tell the students to use a letter or two to hold the idea as they're writing so we don't interrupt the flow. We'll come back and we'll fix the words that don't look right at the end. Usually I do that, but I have found some students do not like to do that. Again, they do not want to call attention to words that are not spelled right. So with some students, and this is why it's important to know your students, to watch your students, to understand your students, I give them the spelling as they're writing the word. I help them spelling. I don't tell them what it is. W, w, w good. Eh, eh, eh. What makes the S sound? Eh. Very good. E, that's a short E. So I'm giving, as we're writing, struggling writers are often struggling readers. I'm giving these little in-context phonics lessons. N, n, n. What makes that n, t, t, went. Good, good. You see how it goes. So some students need support writing and spelling. That's also why keyboarding, <laughs> teach them. That little red line under the word means it's not spelled right. This is how you use a spell check to help us. That's what I do as an adult real writer. I use spell check or else I go to the Google search and plug in the word. We need to teach our students not how to spell, but strategies.
to help them spell correctly. The ninth idea I called is uh, ninth idea is support using a keyboard or a scaffolding. Now on the keyboard, as students are writing with a keyboard, as they are writing, they sometimes cannot find the letter to use. Now you want to point to the general area on the keyboard where the letter is. You do not want to plunk the keyboard for them or press the letter. Now, as I've worked with writers, this is what I've discovered. They, they eventually kind of hunch over the keyboard because they don't want you to be plunking the keyboard for them. So to provide a scaffold as the student is writing, I point to the general area and say, T -t -t -t. yeah, it's the T sound. It's, it's about here someplace. See if you can find it. And the student then finds it and goes on to the next one. And of course, a lot of these Beginning writers, they're not adept at keyboarding as you and I are. They are one-finger punchers, but they still prefer the keyboard often. I don't want to say always because there's no such thing as a universal student, but they often prefer the keyboard over pencil writing. The tenth idea is called facilitated writing. Using the big words, I'll say to a student, what do you want to write about? Tell me about it. And that student will tell you what he or she wants to write about. And as they're telling that, you're putting the big words or writing the big words on the board or on a computer screen or on a piece of paper. When I use a computer screen, I put the big words on top of the page. So now they have something they can write with. All right, you can meet. Now you write. You put it down on paper. So they see the big words and all they have to do is connect the big words with the little words in, at, the, up. You're providing, again, another scaffold to enable the student to write. You do not want to frustrate that student. Writing is the celebration. It is communicating ideas. It's celebrating ideas. And the uh, next idea is daily writing. You should write every day, even if it's a sentence, even if this whole thing takes two to four minutes. That is good time. That is a good use of time. And also, writing is one of the best ways to develop the syntactic cueing system, grammar and word order. The syntactic cueing system that brain uses to recognize words while reading. So use a journal of some sort. It could be a physical journal, always put the date on top, or it could be on the computer someplace. You have the date on it and you save it for review. Now, I love to use journal writing for students to practice their reading. And it also, with struggling readers, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool to use for analytic phonics. You can analyze the words they have written, find the ch, -ch word, find the word that ends with sh, -sh quick, easy, in-context, meaning base. Uh, the next idea is speech-to-text software. Yes, this is a great scaffold to use. Students speak into the computer, the words appear, they see the correct spelling, and they save those. These are relatively expensive these days. It provides a nice scaffold. There's no single answer, single tool, but this can be used as a scaffold to get them writing and to save it. And they can see the words appear. That's why I like this speech-to-text software. Also, text-to-speech software. Sometimes these are one in the same, but you write and then you press a button and the computer will read the sentence back to you. Read this, what the student has written. This makes the writing come alive and it gives you a feel for the sound of the language. Now, I use this myself as a writer. 
I'll write a paragraph. If I'm not quite sure of it, I press the View button in my uh, Windows 10 writing machine, and it reads it back to me in a computer voice, but it gives me a sense for the structure of the language, and I can see what errors I made. The Reluctant Writer. There's not a single answer other than be a human being first and understand why that student might be reluctant and understand there's a natural inclination to share ideas using writing and speech. You just have to understand what's getting in the way. Andy Johnson, another literacy podcast.